So I'm excited because Carmen, we've known each other for quite a while, but I've known your husband's family. And then I, we've stayed friends over the years, just I mean, through Facebook more than anything, but like to see everything that you do in the world, your school psychology behind you there on that sign, like all that stuff has been really cool. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show and, and ask some questions and hear your perspective on, on your America. So thank you for that. Thank you, Dan. And it has been so fun just seeing how we started out as young pups and we have just evolved into grownups. Like we're the ones who are making I mean, decisions. That's a little I questionable. Mean, you are. <laughs> um, what really interested me in this conversation, um, a couple of things. First of all, I don't know, when Kim and I were playing on this season, we were talking about how this season we wanted to bring people on and ask questions about the America that they see through their lens, because it's, I mean, let's be honest, I'm white, cisgender, male. I don't, you know, there are a lot of things I don't have to worry about with my privilege. And so to be able to ask those questions and hear the stories, I think is really important and just very interesting. And then on top of that, then recently, Kim and I were talking about a show recently that like I brought forth, well, I wanted to, I want to talk about the Latinx connection in America and representation and how, you know, I just, I watched Encanto and, and, there was so much cool stuff about it. And then when Lin-Manuel Miranda brought in, in the Heights out and this, like, it's just this really cool, I don't know if it's a resurgence, but like this resurgence of Latino, Latina, Latinx representation. And Kim says, yeah, but are we the two best people to talk about that? I mean, let's be honest. We're pretty white. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So anyway, so that was a couple of reasons why I was excited to have you come on as well. And um, so, yeah. So Kim, what do you think? Should we, uh, Officially start? Yeah, let's do it. We are very excited because we have a guest this episode. So it's not only not the Dan show. You're welcome, everybody. It's also not the Kim show. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I'm sorry. Hey, um, so we have a guest. We have a friend of Dan's. And um, I'm very excited about this conversation. So so Carmen and I go way back. I have known her, her husband's family. I've known Carmen for quite a few years now um, and have seen a whole lot of stuff happen over the years, mostly through Facebook, which is one of the positives to Facebook. But before I, we get into like just kind of the conversation, Carmen, will you talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, a little bit of just your general American identity so we can kind of get a feel for why you're on the show today? So I am a, depends um, how you uh, define it, but I am a second generation American or firstborn uh, American. I come from uh, parents who were here illegally. And um, some people might describe me as a very derogatory name, uh, anchor baby. But uh, yeah, my parents came here with a dream and uh, they built their life. And um, they, like I mentioned earlier, they were here illegally and um, started their family, uh, worked really, really hard, built their own home with their two hands. They have lived in that home for 40 years and um, they have basically lived the American dream really. And um, we were raised here and we were giving opportunity opportunities that I know that had they stayed in Mexico, I don't think that we would have had those opportunities. I was the first uh, college graduate in my family. Uh, I went on and I got my master's in school psychology and I am married, uh, have 2.5 kids, uh, 
and I get to um, be an advocate for children in special education and uh, just be able to tell the story of of a child who's struggling from an empathetic lens and being able to see, uh, show everybody else that's around the table, letting them know everything that led up to this point and why we're seeing the student here who's struggling academically. So that's just me in a nutshell. (laughs) One of the things that I find, I find so interesting is the, the patriotism that you exhibit you love this country. You you just saw it called the American dream. You're so proud of that. You also walk that between two worlds, though. You have such a proud Mexican heritage also that you celebrate. And I just think it's a beautiful thing that we can do in this, this country of immigrants. Do you actively think about that often, or is it just kind of who you are? What does that look like? I don't think I actively think about it. Um, what I do know is that I, I do have a huge sense of respect and um, I honor my heritage and were just my background because without it, I would not be who I am. Um, on top of that, I honor being able to be here in the United States and live out my best life because we are a country of opportunities. We are, uh, you know, if we're in the right place around the right people, we can just have an incredible life. And so I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for all the opportunities that I was afforded that. And it's so interesting because I do think a lot of it is um, things happened at the right, I was at the right place at the right time. Like um, when I went to undergraduate school, I was, I, I received these grants that, you know, I didn't have to worry about tuition and, um, and it was during the Bush administration, which a lot of people, you know, talk about how that was a very conservative time and whatnot. But if it wasn't because of them, I would have not had access to free college tuition. Um, and I'm not saying Bush specifically, but, you know, um, all the people who, you know, during that time, during that era, uh, my parents received their uh, citizenship during uh, the Ronald Reagan era through amnesty. And so, um we were, I feel we were just at the right place at the right time with different things. And I do think I will give ourselves some credit. You know, we were prepared, we were ready for the opportunity and we pounced on it. So um, I, it's hard not to be thankful because I do see how some family members who stay behind the kind of life that they have and not, and not that they have, you know, a bad life, but I'm just thankful I don't have those struggles um, I do feel I have a lot of opportunity and um, I don't know. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful to be here and I'm thankful to have just, you know, be part of this country. So. Yeah. We're glad to have you here. I also remember seeing during our previous administrations, bad parts, so many, so many, um, but like there are there a lot of xenophobia parts. I, well, I mean, no, but anyway, but during, <laughs> During President Trump's tenure, a lot of xenophobia, a lot of terrible hatred, a lot of just a lot of bad when it came to our uh, neighbors to the south. And I remember reading something from you at one point about, you know, you are you know, your, your parents are citizens now of all the documented status and everything. You were born here. Your children are as well. But you still had worries even during that. What, it was gosh, what such that? it was such a hard time because. 
I felt like any time I would open the news, there was something about something that he said that was horrible about people that looked like me. And, um, and so obviously you try not to take it personal, but after a while you have to start, you know, these are narratives that are being shared and said, and my kids look brown and they might have an English sounding last name, but they look very Mexican. And so and we live in a conservative community, um, predominantly white. Uh, and I, I was worried. I was worried that my kids were going to go to school and they were going to be seen and um, negative comments would be, you know, lashed out towards them and their innocent kids that have nothing to do with what's going on. Hearing stories about teachers that dressed up as a wall and, you know, uh, while they're in these schools where there's children who are probably there illegally, like, you know, just hearing about that kind of stuff, it just, it was just really heartbreaking because I felt like this amazing place that I love and um, that we rightfully so protect freedom of speech at the same time, I felt it was being used to attack a certain group of people. And I identified with that group of people. And it was just really hard to just take in. And I think some of the behaviors from that certain person um, were just hurtful. I know that during um, what would be Dia de Muertos, it was named a day of remembrance for people who had been murdered by, I guess, people who had been here illegally. And Dia de Muertos is a time of remembrance for people who are uh, of the Latino community of people that we have lost and that we honor their memory and, you know, we celebrate their life. And so for it, for him to bring this narrative on that date was hurtful. And I think a lot of people didn't pick up on it just because, you know, no one really made the connection because they don't know. But for us that did know, it felt, it felt like a punch in the gut (laughs) and kind of like just a very passive aggressive microaggression of like, you're not welcomed here and your celebrations, your, your things that you do as a culture are not valued here. And so that was some, it just felt like there were a lot of situations like that with that particular administration that you just kind of gave up, you know, you just didn't want to open the news anymore. You didn't want to see anything anymore. And you just were hoping that election day would come and that we would have a new president. So. Then all magically went away. So we're fine. Yeah. Very smooth, very smooth transition. (laughs) On those days where you're, you know, very rightfully feeling like I just cannot open this newspaper again right now. Like I cannot look at the news anymore. Newspaper. Um, the, the news. I know. Um, what brings you back the next day to want, you know, coming re-engaging in the news and in um, just kind of the, the politics of the world? To be honest, and not to um, not to seem like if I'm uh, kissing anyone's tail or anything like that, but seeing posts like Dan and Sonia, uh, 
(laughs) (laughs) Just talk about like how awful this is and seeing that there are allies, that there are people who don't look like me, but are just equally disgusted by that behavior and reminding me and people like me, like, hey, you guys are welcome here. And this does not represent all of us. Like, this is just a 50% of America. <laughs> but, you know, like, so <laughs> there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of us, you know, that are not, you know, that way. So that was really, that was something that just kept, kept you going, knowing that there were decent people out there and not he did not represent everybody. Hey, yeah, I love, yeah. That's a, that's what I was gonna say. Is it's disturbing to me how like how how ignorant I was of all of that right under the surface of our country for so long. Like I know that we have a lot of issues, but to have, see that come to the surface and now be out in the open, the quiet parts are out loud now, and it's a and it's air quotes okay to say those things, and it never is, never has been, but I can't imagine. How do you talk to the kids about that? Your your children are pretty, pretty young. Like, do you talk to them about that stuff? I mean, you have to, I would guess. So we would have conversations about it. Uh, thankfully nothing was ever done or said against them, but when they would see me not be okay, um, there were some conversations that we would have like, you know, well, this is what, what's going on. Um, this is what happened to this man, you know, he was out on a run, like, you know, just having those conversations because some, some of those topics were very heavy. Uh, some were not age appropriate yet because I mean, my four-year-old at the time would have not understood what was going on. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but man, the quote that always sticks with me is if my child is uh, young enough to be discriminated on your child is young enough or old enough to understand what's going on. And so, um, and you know, really there is privilege in that, you know, that there's, there are some things that I can protect my kids from. Um, but you know, we, we would have some of those difficult conversations and, um, I, I was biased because it, you know, it was, she was getting the information from me. Um, but I don't think I was that biased. <laughs> like, I, I think it's very legit what was happening and what I was observing and, you know, uh, how I was interpreting it, but we definitely had hard conversations and I felt that my kids were exposed to situations that I just didn't think they would have been exposed to that early on in their life. Like, I just didn't realize that those conversations needed to happen that soon. So it is what it is. And y'all live in Texas, which is a very conservative area, but also I would guess it at least biracially diverse. Mm-hmm. Like you, I just don't understand how it's so anti-immigration and so conservative to that xenophobia side of things. I, I don't understand that. That has to be hard sometimes too. I will say um, we live close to the Austin area. So Austin is very progressive, um, but we live in this nice little suburb and suburbs are are often, you know, areas where a lot of people hide. <laughs> um, but um, I will say our community, they are conservative. Um, they, they are they have, you know, very conservative views and you would see Trump signs all over the place. 
And so, and for me, it's really interesting because I started making the connection that if you had a Trump sign, more than likely, you're not my friend, (laughs) you're not my ally. And then I'd sit in uh, church groups with, you know, mom groups with these people and they were the nice people. And so that was like mind boggling for me because I'm like, wait a minute, how can you be so nice, but stand for a man who is nothing, nothing of what you would allow anyone in your circle to say, or like, there are some things that he would say that I just do not, I did not understand. Like my brain just did not comprehend how it is that these people would want to be associated with this person. But that is the power of hiding behind religion. They, religion is used abortion and, uh, and being afraid of the unknown is used as a weapon. And, and that is how they get the people. And I hate to, to minimize groups of people, you know, to certain characteristics, but I, that's the only way I could understand it in my head. I struggle with that a lot still today. Like we are not involved in a church at the moment, but our faith is very strong, but similarly around mm-hmm. us in, in Michigan, anyway, my wife and I, it, it's, if I see a Trump sign, I'm not, we're not going to, we're going to have nothing in common. This is how I feel. Then you end up talking to them and you're like, wait, you're not that bad. How, why it's, it is so confusing. And especially on the faith side of things, the church side of things. Yeah. It's wild. I was just thinking that that's one of the things I, I really don't understand is somebody who can call themselves a patriot and vote for him and call themselves, um, you know, uh, want want to be kind and of service and a good friend and then turn around and, and vote for somebody that wants to. I mean, is like wanted to take away rights and took away rights and took away so many of the things that make this country great uh, and a place that should be a place of opportunity. And he just didn't obviously didn't want to have any of that. And and so it's very confusing to me. Anytime I see anybody, I, well, yesterday I was stuck in traffic behind somebody with um, one of the blue lives matters flag sticker. And I just was like, I'm going to talk to myself for a while because also I'm in Los Angeles and uh, I don't know what they're doing. (laughs) I don't want to be I don't want to make a mistake right now. But in my head, I was like, why are you and you're you're that's not even flag like that's not (laughs) you. That's not a patriotic thing to do. It's very frustrating and confusing. So I really gave them the what for in traffic. (laughs) All in your head. That's the best place to do it. Uh, So heavy stuff. But you've we've come through it. You've had some really. really good things to say. I want to, I want to turn it to something a little more positive. When I think about some of the entertainment out there in the world right now, I see a lot of representation from the Latino, Latina, Latinx community. Am I seeing that right? Is it a good representation? Are you seeing it more? What does that look like as a second generation American uh, of Mexican immigrants, Carmen? Oh, I'm loving it. Um, You know, being able to have Google. Uh, the Disney movie that talks about uh, Dia de Muertos and uh, being able to uh, just share that with my kids. I'll be honest with you, growing up, we didn't have an altar just because um, my mom is just, you know, uh, it just kind of felt a little bit morbid. But now as she's grown up and she's actually had, you know, losses and stuff like 
they've been setting up altars and whatnot. And so, um, but you know, it's just been great, like being able to share with them and, and representation matters, like it really matters. And being able to have, uh, you know, a, a character that my kids can dress up as and feel that they, that, that they don't have to wear the blonde wig to be Elsa, you know, they can wear the dark hair and, and be, uh, Moana or, you know, like just her natural hair color. And, uh, so it's, you know, it's just, um, it's been great growing up and, or seeing my kids grow up and have someone that they can relate to on the screen. Um, and then for my, uh, like into the Heights, like seeing the celebration of different cultures and, the struggle of the immigrant of wanting to, you know, blend in and do all the things and trying to pass through as, you know, the, the, um, the model minor uh, majority, you know, like the majority that, you know, trying to just blend in and not, I don't know if you noticed into the Heights, but when uh, the lead character came back and was embracing her roots. Like she no longer would straighten out his, her hair. She would wear her curly hair. Like, you know, like being able to embrace, embrace who you are. I think that's just such a powerful message. And, um, and I absolutely, I, I see it. I see it. I, I know that um, part of the reason why I don't think I struggled that much growing up was because I was doing all the things that I was expected to do in society, go to college, get a degree, um, you know, and it's not necessarily that I was trying to blend in, but I was doing a lot of the behaviors that were expected um, in society. So I think that's why I've never really, ex I don't feel I've ever experienced racism or anybody make me feel less for being, you know, Mexican, because I think I do blend in really well. But what if I would have not blended in, you know, would people look at me differently and not be very accepting of me and not, you know, feel comfortable me being around them and, you know, hide their belongings because they feel that I'm, you know, a thief or, you know, whatever awful things are the narratives for Hispanic people. Um, I think, um, like, I see that. I see how I have been able to just fit in because I look like, well, not that much because my melanin gives me away, <laughs> but you know, like, I, I think, you know, part of it, like, I, I think people respond well to me because I just blend in in the sense. So, um, but I, going back to, uh, what you had asked, you know, I love that we are being represented and I know into the Heights, there was some criticism, um, that, you know, they didn't put any Afro Latinos as the main characters. Uh, and I think, you know, that was, it, it was kind of bittersweet because I do think, you know, that needs to be acknowledged, you know, that we are all shades and colors. Like we really are. We have the, we are the whole spectrum of skin tones and hair textures. But at the same time, I was heartbroken because we had something that represented my, my culture 
And um, I didn't want any negative light on it. Like I wanted for it to be celebrated for what it was and, and just, you know, like just celebrate it in and enjoy it. And I felt it kind of like took away a little bit, but you know, it's a conversation, it's a, it's a difficult conversation that needs to happen and it needs to be acknowledged because I don't know when Encanto was uh, produced or, you know, when it came about, but Antonio is an Afro-Latino, like, you know, the dark complexion, the curly hair, uh, his father, Felix also. So, um, so I don't know if, if that was, you know, a afterthought or if it was always the intention, but um, it matters because I, I don't know if you guys have seen that, that viral post, but that the little boy was like, Hey, this looks like me. And, you know, and, and it's, it matters. It's important. And, and there's a story to be told. And I think that it's an important one. So I love it. <laughs> I do. I do too. I mean, as, as the, as the, the, the majority at this point, white culture, I'd love seeing what seem to be real representations of other cultures. You know, it's the, the caricatures that we don't want you know? And so that's, that's a good thing. It seems like these are legitimate. These are not just written by white people that talk about the uh, Latino culture. These are like real representations, real storytellers. And it seems amazing. And I love the diversity of it. It teaches me so much. It teaches, it teaches us empathy to be able to see other people in as re, as humans. And so it's, it's been exciting for me. And I love that my kids are into it. You know, they're watching these and singing the songs and I'm dancing and I cannot dance, but you know, I try. Um, oh, I love it so much, especially because, um, so my little guy, um, he can't roll his R's. So, um, I don't want to spit into my microphone, but, um, he'll be like, Bruno. <laughs> so he'll like, I'm like, oh baby. I'm like, yes, you got this. Oh, that's funny. It's adorable. <laughs> But, Kim, what's on your mind? Now I just want to go watch Coco again. <laughs> it's so good. Right. It's good. And it's oh, so it makes good. me cry all the time. So we had snow days um, or ice days in Texas because we don't get snow. Um, we had ice days. So one of the days we just did like a marathon of Coco Encanto. Um, we did watch Frozen to give a nod to our Frozen status and stuff. So, nice. yeah. Uh, oh, did I you guys it. lose power? What? Not this time. Just recently, right? <laughs> Not recently. Okay. And cool. so last year, when um, we had that awful freeze and our power grid could not um, support all of our needs, um, we lost power for three days, maybe four days. Um, but I married a prepper. <laughs> Oh. So we had a generator and we have, we had plenty of wood and, um, we had lots of canned goods that I had made fun of him for buying a long time ago, <laughs> but he showed me. <laughs> and, uh, so we were, uh, we made sure it was great because all of our neighbors, we were like, are you guys okay? We've got firewood, um, you know, and everything. So it, we, we were able to, uh, provide, help each other out. Um, and it was people who have Trump signs out and everything like we helped each other out. And so it's, you know, it's those things like at the end of the day, we are all humans and uh, we we are there for each other. 
when we need to. And oh, I just wish politics would not be as divisive as they are and as horrible as they are. But anyway. I mean, how, how do we fix that? Like there's, I, I used to be pretty conservative. I'm, I'm in Michigan and conservative area. Used to vote a lot of Republican. Now I'm way more progressive because I just don't feel like the Republican party is the party of any kind of compassion right now. But I also don't want to be not compassionate myself. And if we lost power, I would go to my neighbor and say, can I help you? Even though they fly the Trump flags and stuff even today, but I would still give, but it's so hard to not just walk away from them. I don't know. I wish I would know. I really would. I mean, cause I wish, especially seeing how this pandemic has gone down, like all the misinformation, like I feel it's, it's to divide and just mm-hmm. hearing the narratives that I, that I'm hearing and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, do you guys really think that Dr. Fauci's trying to insert a 5G microchip on you? (laughs) What did I just listen to the other day that was like, I just want to ask the specifics, like how is the microchip fitting in the needle? Let's just talk about the specifics of that. If you think that's the case, then okay, but let's get into how do you think that microchip is fi- is fitting? Like it can't, it doesn't work. <laughs> Nanotech. They're watching too much Star Trek. The thing is we got our 5G chips right here mm-hmm. in our pocket yeah. at all times. They don't need to inject us with anything. They have us right here. So mm-hmm. with our cell phones, it's fine. That's how they know to pretend like they have to warn us about the microchip. They, that's how they know that that would be the thing that will tell people not to get the vaccine because they have all the tracking information. They're using the tracking information from what you search, the things that you buy, the things that you follow, and using that to be like, we know that we can pretend like they've never been tracked before and we know this because we track them. What are we doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, global I'm not helping. I am not helping in this conversation. I think I keep no. on bringing back. This is- this is what we do. You are this helping. This is great. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I've always really enjoyed too in interacting with you, Carmen, is that like your faith is very strong, your your pride of heritage, your patriotism, all of that, and also your progressive nature, the compassion for other humans to see other people, like those things can exist. You can be Christian and progressive. You can live in Texas, have roots in Michigan, and still be progressive. And I just I find that. Uh, uplifting, comforting. I find that comforting, you know? And I just think that's really cool. Um, I mean, how has it been, like, how did you grow up? Were your parents pretty religious and, and conservative? And Oh, I grew up in a Catholic home, like through and through. And, yeah. um, but I think I've always had a strong sense of faith. Um, my parents, you know, they, they were, trying their best, doing their best with what they knew, what they had. And they're very strict, uh, you know, seeing Encanto and how firm the grandmother was and how you, you know, like appearances and making seem like everything was fine, even though things were falling apart, you know, I absolutely related to that. Um, but, uh, I think, um, I don't know. I just think it, I hate, I, I don't want to come across as like, you know, like a good compassionate person, 
<laughs> but I think I've always had a yearning for building a relationship with Christ. And um, even though my parents were busy working and working over the weekend and Sunday to them was really difficult sometimes uh, to make it to church, I would make it out to church. Um, on Wednesdays, my mom, uh, she would do, um, she would sell these pots and pans. It was at the time kitchen fair. Um, and so she would have these parties. And so sometimes it would be in the evenings. And so on Wednesdays would be when our, my catechism classes would take place. And so my mom wouldn't be around, but I would, I would just walk to the church and attend these, these classes. And so, um, so it was just always in me, like to seek my own faith and my own understanding and my place in this world. And uh, when I got to college, I realized I'm like, you know, something just doesn't fit right with Catholicism. Like I started seeing a lot of uh, structure to it and some things that I felt were very uh, imposed by people and nothing against Catholicism at all. Um, just, you know, my own journey in my own mm -hmm. uh, faith. And so I started uh, just looking for my own church and my own uh, place that I would call home. And so I ended up in a non-denomination church and um, there was this really cute guy, a Bible study <laughs> that I was like, hey, <laughs> and um, his name was Luke. And that's how we met. And that's how we uh, fell in love. And then that's the rest of our story. So, yeah. but um, I just think I've always had this wanting to just explore my own faith. And uh, I think, I think I'm just an empath by, by nature. And um, even though things were very strict and I was told that there were some things that were not right in life. Um, I think I've always seen it as, mm, but I think Jesus is a very loving person and I don't think he would stand for that. I think that is you as a human putting judgment and your own expectations on people. So mm, that doesn't fly with me. And so I think because of that, I've always had more of an open uh, mind. And, um, I just have seen how people have had different life experiences. And I've noticed that it's the people who haven't been of this, you know, perfect little world, um, that have the most, uh, life, you know, interesting life stories that have left them to different paths. And it might not look like the typical path, but um, there's something within that their journey that is worth listening to and respecting and valuing. And who are we to say that's not the right thing to do? So I think that's where where I have maybe come across as more progressive. And I'm also in a field where we need to be more understanding and empathetic towards people and understanding that. Um, we all have our own story and we need to value it. So it's funny how that seems progressive. Like, <laughs> like it just should, should be human, but anyway. Yes, exactly. But I think a lot of people just hide into in this uh, narrative that, well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And it's like, well, is it? Because, you know, 
you're, you're, you're fighting against it, but it hasn't happened to you. And it's interesting. Once you, once your life is more diverse, it's just interesting how much your worldview opens up. And I think that's people just stay within their little clusters and don't branch out. So we got to stop doing that. So I've got a, I've got a question for you and you're going to speak on behalf of the entire Latinx community for me. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I, I hope I do this. No, no. <laughs> no, but I am curious though. Does it bother you personally to see things like white families celebrating, celebrating your quotes, taco Tuesday or throwing out Cinco de Mayo when we're going to the bar for this thing and blah, blah, blah. Like, what is that like for you? Oh man, that's hard. That's hard because, um, I don't like for my culture to be minimized to sombreros and, and actually let me say correctly, sombreros, bigotes, and, um, you know, tequila. So, um, which is us sombreros, mustaches, and tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I also think like, it's awesome that people want to celebrate and like, Hey, you know, and I think people do it from a place of, you know, uh, maybe they're naive. They don't realize that it's coming across as harsh or rude. Um, but man, it would mean a lot more to me if you would throw money at a, um, a, an organization that supports immigrants, an organization that supports, uh, you know, Hispanic scholarship fund or something. Um, so, you know, yes, celebrate us. Yes. Celebrate. However you think, um, I think it's, it's beautiful when I see women go to Mexico and buy those beautiful dresses the embroidered shirts, you know, like it, it's, it, I think it's awesome because then you see it and, and, you know, it, it is beautiful, uh, artisan crafts. And so, um, but I, you know, I would like it for them to just take it one step up and support something that is supportive of the Hispanic community, uh, and culture. So. I like that. Thanks for sharing that. I don't know if I have a whole lot else. I mean, that was a great conversation. Kim, what are you, where are you at? I know where you're at. What are we going to do about, what are we going to do about uh, Beto? Got to get this guy in office. You got to get, you got to get Abbott out of here. He's the worst. He's I am. I tried so hard for you guys to not have Greg Abbott be your governor. I was there. I tried, I did everything I could, which was not very much, but every time I see him, I'm like, you are the worst, Mm -hmm. the worst. Oh my gosh. There's not much that he has done that has made me happy. Like a fool. But um, so February 14th is um, when they are opening um, the polls. So I think February 14th through, uh, I can't remember, but it's early voting uh, for the primaries. And Beto has my vote. Um, I love that man. And I love that during our, our shut down of the winter weather he was trying to figure out if the elderly were getting taken care of and he while somebody else went to cancun and partied like a spring break girl um he you know his his kids were so cold (laughs) so and poor little fifi i don't remember the dog's name (laughs) oh they love the dog Mm -hmm. but um 
But yes, I think Beto is good for Texas and he absolutely has my vote. And um, I'm very sad because they did redraw the district lines in Texas on purpose uh, because uh, our county was purple. <laughs> and uh, they were very upset about that. So they redrew the district lines and separated us a little bit. But, you know, we, we are the underground uh, party. <laughs> I was pretty surprised that the district lines passed, to be honest. It's so very blatant. Like, I was pretty shocked. <sighs> Everything, but you know what? I've lived here long enough that it just doesn't surprise me that things that you know get through. And I edited myself to make sure that this is a PG thirteen podcast. So, nice. Thank, thank you. Um, we don't. <laughs> well, fantastic, Carmen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us. We appreciate you. Any? Thank you for giving me a seat at the table and for magnifying the voice of my people by asking me, like, you have no idea how thankful I am that uh, you even thought of, why don't we ask someone who is of Latino descent? So yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. You're welcome. Very much so. Yeah. Excellent. Well, enjoy the time with your family and your dinner out and your margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which y'all like I had told them before this started that I was going to be going out to dinner with my family and that I was going to have a margarita. So no, they're not they're not uh <laughs> generalizing at all. Like this is thank legit. I said I thank you for a that. Margarita. <laughs> so. Man, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Well, yeah, thank you, Carmen. <laughs> awesome. That was great. That was, that I really was, enjoyed. that was excellent. Yeah. It's funny, we, you know, you and I talked about in the past, like there's no ally merit badge. We don't do this for the thank yous. We do this because it's the right thing to do. It's also nice to know that I'm making a difference, that we're making a difference, right? Yeah, yeah. It was so, yeah, of course. so powerful when she said that, that someone who doesn't look like me is there to support me and make sure, and like, I don't feel like I'm the crazy one kind of a thing. Like, wow, powerful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great stuff. Thanks for uh, making that happen with me. That was really great. Thanks for setting that up. Thanks for yeah, actually yeah. making that happen. I mean, you know, occasionally I make stuff happen. It's oh not my God. often. Okay, never mind. I'm it's sorry. It's not I often. No, oh. I'm saying it's not often. That's, <laughs> so, yeah, you're welcome. So, there you go. That's uh, My America through a Latinx lens, Latinx representation in America. I hope I'm saying that right. It's Latina and Latino. So I assume that when we're talking about non-gender, it's Latinx. Right? I, yeah, I, I don't know. In my head, I always pronounced it a little bit different, but I don't know that I was pronouncing it correctly. Probably Just not. A harder A. Okay. <laughs> I love you. Um, sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, if I'm saying it right, awesome. I probably should have asked Carmen, but... Uh, if you're listening and you want to correct me, hit us up on the socials, uh, My America Pod, or just me and tell me how terrible I am. I'm at Dan Moyle on the I'll socials, but we are we are also at My America Pod on the socials. I, by the way, I'm obsessed with TikTok, uh, so yes. much so that my wife is like, "Will you please stop sending me TikToks?" And I'm like, "I can't." <laughs> Why? I can't. Why uh, does she want you to know. stop? Never stop. I know I won't. Uh, what is your social media handle, Kim? I am at. 
if you're listening to this on the day it came out, there are 243 days between now and the midterm elections. If you're listening to it after the day it came out, that's fine. I don't get it. That's fine. We all make our own choices. That means there's less time. Less time to register to vote. Less time to decide you want to vote in your June jam, so you want to vote by mail. Less time to early vote. Less time to find your polling place. Less time, less time. It's fine. There's just less time. <laughs> at Kim Moffat on Instagram is tw- Instagram and Twitter. At Kim Moffat is here on TikTok. If you like that, come on over to at Kim Moffat is here on TikTok. You'll like that stuff even more. Sorry. It's true. It's true. <laughs> how, did, how did we get here? All that good stuff. Fantastic. All right. So there you go. And if you want to leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you can leave reviews like Yelp, maybe, I guess. I don't know why you would do that. Um, Yelp we, we love it. We love it. We love the accolades. That's why we do it. We do it for the accolades and we do it so we can say things like, we're not going to be on Spotify anymore. We're not. I mean, we're not not saying that, but. Right. Yeah. But we could say that. We could say it. Because it's our, because we're independent. We can do what we want. Yeah. The storytellersnetwork.com slash my America. Do it. Go there. Boom. Please. My America is a production of the Storytellers Network. This show is written and produced by Kim Moffat and Dan Moyle. Kim takes care of editing and graphics while Dan helps with episode production on the web. Both Dan and Kim run social media. For more information on the show, including past episodes, visit thestorytellersnetwork.com slash myamerica. Great job, Dan.